Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sam Fortier of the Washington Post as we take a look at the second half of the season while taking a quick look back at the first half. Not that you want to spend a lot of time there, but there's some important things to discuss. What do we need to see moving forward? And one player in particular who will be under the microscope a little bit more because of how he played in the first half. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Sam4TR, and you can read my work on ESPN.com. I spent the bye week talking to congressmen and staffers for the NFL investigation that Congress now has interest in, whether it's just documents or hearings. Fun stuff, folks. But I can tell you that staffers on both sides, as of now, do expect this to get to a hearing. And if that happens, yes, I could see Washington owner Dan Snyder, Dan Snyder being called to the stand. Where it goes from there, what he says, I don't know. But unless something new comes out, I don't see him being forced out. The NFL, by the way, is planning on turning documents over, but I don't know exactly what that will be. Um, I know that they are asked to turn a lot and they're going through a lot, but they have answered some of the questions that Congress had. So stay tuned on that one. When we look at the second half, the one group on defense that has to improve remains the linebacker. Of course, there's other areas, but that group on defense has been a disappointment for the most part. There's been progress in the secondary, helped by getting Landon Collins more in the box, Cam Curl on the field more. We need to see better play from William Jackson third, more consistent play at corner. If we don't, then it would be fair to wonder about the money they spent on him. I know some folks who know him well and think he's a good player. They didn't think he was a good zone corner because it's just never been how he processes the game. Washington has played a lot more man this year than last year, so they have adapted to him in that regard. But he's also been asked to play some different techniques in man coverage. He has to get used to those. Will he do so in the second half of this year? We need to see where that goes. But the linebackers, specifically Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis, must play better. The problem Washington has has had there is simple. When one plays well, the other doesn't. And it's been like that for a while. I've been growing impressed with Davis until the Denver game, or at least I thought he was progressing, but I thought the Denver game was a tough one for him. Didn't have a good game against the run. He was easily blocked, would get himself out of place trying to avoid a block or not taking it on properly. Wasn't much, wasn't much oomph to his sheds, which I think made it easier to drive him back and take him out of place. Other games, Holcomb takes a read and react approach rather than just going. The coaches want to see him just see it, go get it. One thing I also wonder about involves Chase Young. He has not rushed the passer well, or not consistently, and one thing I've advocated has been using him inside at times. Well, against Denver, they did that. They had him matched up against the guard a few times, but he didn't have much success there either, And mainly because I think sometimes I wonder if he's overthinking his rushes a little bit. He is powerful and quick. He needs to use those strengths. But instead, sometimes at the line, a couple times I saw him inside where he'd give a little bit of stutter step or kind of move laterally first, And the guard would just sit and wait. And then when he was ready to engage, Chase's feet were almost too wide. And then then because of that, I felt like he lost some power on his rushes. So he kind of took away his strength just on his own. What I really wish they had done was brought in, if you're going to let Ryan Kerrigan go, bring in another veteran pass rusher to help a guy like Young develop. When you talk about developing players, to me, that's one of the things that helps do that. 
Ryan Kerrigan helped with that last year. And yes, it would have been wise to bring him back. But if you're not going to, okay. But you still, it would still have been helpful to bring in somebody who does know that position and somebody that could help a guy like Young and just teach him what just doesn't even have to be teaching him pass moves, but also show him how how they process the game and what they have done and how they prepare, et cetera. Um, the problem is I don't think he's going to get all of that from defensive line coach Sam Mills. I think Mills is – not every coach is going to be strong in – the finer details of helping a guy like Chase Young. And I've never been in those meetings, so I don't know what Sam Mills tells him, but I do know what I've heard. And I think it would have been good to get a pass rush expert or somebody who has played the position a while to help Young. Listen, you know, one thing I do know is the same group is Jonathan Allen's being coached by the same group. He's having a hell of a year. And just so you know, they will be heavily scouting college quarterbacks now, and they have all season, and they will this month and in the future. They know what they need. So when these top quarterbacks are playing, it's likely that someone from Washington will be there. And they need to be. It's smart. Anyway, that's it from me. After this break, Sam Fortier of the Washington Post and I will dive deep into what we expect in the second half. And again, what we need to see from Chase Young and many others. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with the Washington Post, Sam Fortier. Sam and I have been grinding away this week. What is it, 20 hour days for you too? Is that what you're doing? Uh, I mean, it's the bye week, so I'm taking vacation. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm, okay, I'm we'll see. working 20 hours a week. All right, well, some of us who grind are still doing the 20 hours a day. So, you know, that's, that's how it goes. It's an inside joke, folks. But I wanted to have Sam on to talk about a little bit looking at the first half, but mostly looking ahead to the second half of the season. And to, to close out the first half, how – what was maybe your biggest surprise about this? I mean, I think everybody will look at the two and six record and say, I didn't quite see that. But what was your big takeaway and surprise from the first half of, the, of this season? And maybe this can be at the end. Maybe this can be, you know, now. But do we have time at some point for a good dad joke story? Because I know that obviously this is a pro dad joke space. I can tell it later. Well, you can tell it. You can tell it whenever. But if you want to start with that, then we can have it start with that. And then people can just probably tune us out. But go ahead. No, no, I'll, I'll, we can do it. At okay, the end. we'll do it at the end. Okay. <laughs> now people are going to be like, oh, what is it? There we go. Yeah, That's yeah. how well, we keep you, you interested. Gave them the hook. The uh, two and six <laughs> record is not keeping you interested. The dad joke might. There we go. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, I, the surprise to me, I think, has to be the defense, right? I mean, I know that we've, we've talked about that. Um, and, and, you know, I think we can go through the line play, the, the secondary play, um, which are all valid. Um, concerns, especially the line play, obviously, early this year, especially because Ron Rivera talked so much in camp about they've got to have cohesive rush, and right. then it still took four or five weeks right. um, for, for that to happen. So you knew it was a problem. It still was a problem. But to me, I think maybe the biggest surprise was the linebacker position yeah. um, because obviously it was a struggle last year, and obviously this is a staff that knows good linebacking play. Um, so for it to be and, – and, and I, you know, this is not to – you know, go after Jamin Davis, because I know that at that position, it's going to take some time. You know, it's a challenging position to learn and adapt to. Um, but I think that I was surprised um, that one, the team didn't do more in the off season. Um, and if they didn't do more that they felt confident that you know, maybe Cole Holcomb would take that next step or, you know, John Boston could paper that over. And I know injuries have affected that position like all the others, but just for that position group to, I think, you know, have, have struggled in the way that it has especially early in the year. That, to me, is, I think, the thing that I didn't see coming, whereas, 
you know, hey, you know, young pass rushers in year two or corners in new systems, maybe you anticipate that a little more sure. than the linebacking core. At least to anticipate an adjustment there and a, and a growth process needs to take place. I do agree with you with the linebackers. I think have been a big disappointment. I think Cole Holcomb has not played the consistent football that they had hoped he would. And I think Jamin is a net. There's a progression there. I thought he was progressing. I didn't think he played as well against Denver. I don't think they did. But I think with Cole, I, I expected a little bit more consistency out of him. And I think, you know, what's helped is putting Landon down there. And not a full-time linebacker, but a linebacker slash safety. He's definitely playing that role at times. So I think that's helped them. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's been a disappointment because you would think that there would be a little bit more advancement out of some of those players there. And, and the, the lack of depth has, was a concern going into the season. So, you know, I, I would agree with all that. What did you make of, and speaking of the line, though, Ron Rivera gave an interview to Mike Silver on the team website, and what did you make of his comments, though, about Chase and Montez? He was pretty critical. Yeah, I think that was the most critical he's been um, of them, at least publicly, uh, saying that, you know, they need more out of them. They need to learn to, to trust their teammates. And to me, that's sort of the, line, the, the, the talk about the cohesive rush, the talk about the line um, that we heard a little bit earlier in the year. Um, and, and basically, to me, that was him calling out two of his young stars who are supposed to be, you know, one of the strengths of this team. And I think because obviously the, the issues run a lot deeper than the linebacker core, right? That was just something right. that I think that, that one specific that stood out to me. The stars have to be up front. Exactly. But if you're going to build the team this way, if you're going to play this style of, of defense, um, you need to have those guys producing. And obviously sacks aren't everything. But if you look at Chase's pressure rate, um, which is not up, you know, where he would like to be, not near his peers. Um, certainly, you know, one of the lower um, in the league in terms of in terms of uh, you know, right. starter snap level, right. um, and, and only one and a half sacks through eight games. I mean, that is that's a disappointment, obviously, for a guy, especially um, if you're not. And, and if we're going to zoom out here, if you're not going to show up to offseason workouts, you have yeah. to come and you have to yeah. play and you have to show up. And it's funny, I'm reading that. Right. I'm reading the, the Patriots book right now by your colleague, Seth Wickersham. And he was talking about how Tom Brady did not skip uh, an OTA until, you know, his 20th season. Not to say that <laughs> right. Chase Young is Tom Brady, but it's, it just goes to show that if you're going to skip offseason workouts, you got to come and play. And, and so far, we have not seen that um, from Chase Young. And I think that when I think about Ron Rivera's comments, it's those little things that he cares about that when he thinks, hey, if we're not performing now, what are some of the reasons we're not getting there? And if Chase hasn't been working on, you know, if he hasn't devoted the time or been in the building to, to get those workouts in or, or to, you know, to take care of what he needs to take care of, I think those are things that maybe stick in his head. Sure, absolutely. And when, when Deshaun Jackson was here before you obviously got here, he would miss those, a lot of those OTA and offseason workouts. And players, by and large, really didn't care because they knew what he was going to do when he showed up on Sunday. Now, also, you know, and I don't want to like, – Chase Young is, a, is supposed to be is a leader here, so I think they're in different categories. But with Deshaun, the whole thing was, hey, he pretty, he does what he does on Sunday. It's not going to affect that, and it really didn't. He he was going to catch fifty passes, have a, about seven you know touchdowns, and make some killer plays. He could change a game with one play, and with one catch, and and so that's what he'd do. And it was always consistent. But with with Chase too, though, I think. The one thing I know, going back to these comments, and if you didn't see it, go visit Redskins.com, but he was really, he was more critical of their inconsistency and just some of the rushes that they had and how they were rushing. And what I, what, what I know about Rivera is he will not single out a player until he's hit a breaking point. And he did it last year with the linebackers. He would just say, well, with this and that, 
but it was toward the end of the year. He said, we've got to get better play from the linebackers. He will not throw people under the bus until, I don't know that he, I think he's just being honest here. I don't want to say, I, I don't know if I like that term throwing under the bus. I think he's being honest, but I don't know. He won't, I know he would not do that until he hits a point where like something's got to change. And so that to me was what part of the interesting part was he's reached that point where this has to improve. And, you know, and that's, which, which I think everybody would agree with. And, you know, the other thing too, with, with Chase that, that I look at is there's the inconsistencies with his approach maybe to the rush. And I think this is part of the growth process. He had success at the end of the year and you watched him. And one thing I want to get into with him going forward is that all of his sacks last year came on the right side. Now he rushed from the both sides, but all of them came from the right side. Has that made a difference? Was it, was it just as simple as, Hey, I flipped sides or is there a technique that he's not using that he did last year? Or is it just like, hey, they, they, they figured this part out and they are getting chipped more. The ends are, we're getting chipped more. So there's a lot of things that could go into it other than just, hey, he missed OTAs. But if you, like you said, if you're going to do that, then it's always about, well, how do you produce during the season? Because if you do, then nobody cares. So, um, you know. Right. And so I think that, you know, I don't, I don't mean to say that's the explanation for why he's not playing. Right, well. right, right. And I think, I, yeah. that, I think that, that he gives up the benefit of the doubt because I know obviously he was training, he, he was working on skills. Yeah. Um, and I know it matters to him too. I know it right. absolutely matters to him. I mean, the guy studies, like I, I'm never going to question his work ethic. Right. By any exactly. means. So, so, right, so well, yeah, go ahead. Well, just, I was just saying, you know, to me, obviously this is not where he wants to be. And, and this is, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that when a guy cares as much as he does, when he works as much as he does, when you don't get those numbers that, you know, you know, you need to produce or you don't get those pressures, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's possible that the poor performance early in the season is leading him to press a little bit. And maybe sure. that's why, you know, you know, uh, if, if Ron has hit that breaking point, maybe it's, it's a combination of, Oh, I wasn't playing well early. Now I'm you know trying to compensate and, and doing those things now. So I, what I'm saying is right. it's, it's definitely a complicated issue. It is. And I do think, you know, it's funny because leading into the second half, that is something to why I know like Montez Sweat will not be out there now for a, at least a month, but with Chase, he will be, and there will be a little bit more pressure on him without Montez on the other side. So this is one of the things that I'm looking forward to watching throughout the second half. And unfortunately we're at the point where now it's more about right now, it's going to be more about individuals developing than it is about playoffs or anything like that. You know, for fans, that's an unfortunate thing, but I am curious to see how Chase responds the second half. He had a really good second half last year. How does he finish? Is he, does he become a little bit more consistent with the way he rushes with his hands, with his footwork, et cetera? And, you know, just to see how he develops. I mean, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. How about you? Yeah, I, I think personal development, especially with the number of the number of injuries they have. I think that you can point that out at, at a lot of positions. Um, you know, how is Cam Curl going to continue to grow as the strong right. safety? How is, um, you know, Jarrett Patterson going to grow at running back if Antonio Gibson continues to have this, these shin problems? And, and if he doesn't, or if he can get, you know, fully healthy right. or, or some somewhere close, how does he continue to develop in, in pass pro and some of those things that um, we're looking for from him? Um, Dax Milne has seen the field a little bit more. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I think it's, expected almost at this point that he would step into maybe that Adam Humphreys role next season, you know, if he can make the development. So, so definitely there, when Ron Rivera talks about um, development and, and kind of getting an, an offense or lines ready for a potential franchise quarterback, I think 
these are some of the things that, uh, you know, we're thinking about as the season goes. And I think a good example of that was last week at right tackle with Sadiq Charles. We just, you know, we know that they like the player. We don't know. Is it tackle? Is it guard? You know, how did he look? And, and obviously in, in the sample size, he, he did not look great. I, I know, I think he allowed about six pressures or sacks, but you now have more information on a guy than, Hey, he played two snaps against the giants and, and then got injured. So, right. um, so, it, you know, this is all an information collecting process for the rest of the year. As you said, it, it's, it's, you know, for the team to evaluate, for the players to grow. And I think that that is going to be valuable if Ron Rivera can, can open up a, a competitive window at some point. I know that's a big if, but, you know, th- there is something cohesive, something building that you can look at and say, okay, how does this fit into the bigger picture? Well, and I think along those lines that, and we'll get into quarterback in a minute, but I, I, I keep harping on the defense because if this defense doesn't play well in the second half, you have much bigger issues and m- many more holes to fill going forward. And I, you know, I know like fans always want the high draft pick. They had the high pick a couple of years ago. They had Chase Young. So those top five picks aren't always going to, to pay dividends. I mean, you look at some of the better quarterbacks playing, they're not always top five picks. I mean, you know, the best quarterback right now, right now in this class from last year is, was the 15th pick in Mac Jones. Now, whether it stays that way, we'll see. But my point is, you know, you need to build something first. And I'm, you know, I think that's where, like, that's why this defense is important to get going forward. Because if you don't solve this, if this, if Chase Young improves, if Chase Young goes the way we think he will go, which is much further than where he's at now. I mean, he kid's got the talent. He does care and he does work. Jamin Davis, how does he progress? You know, does William Jackson, does he, when he comes back, is he consistent? Is he inconsistent still? Or does he progress in the scheme the way they hope? Because if he doesn't, that's a problem. And so that's like one of the biggest things I want to watch for is the development of the overall defense. Within that, there's individuals. But, I mean, I love Cam Curl at strong safety. I like Landon a lot at that position. So I think you're starting to solve some things. But, man, they got a couple other areas where you're like, you've got to get this solved and make sure going into 2022 that this is something you can rely upon. And I think to your point, this is something where, you know, a good example, Cole Holcomb, like you said, you know, can he develop into that consistent guy that they think he can? Or if given a whole year, does he not quite get there? And then you have to address it from outside. So, you know, while obviously the defense is is hugely important to see that progression, um, I just wonder you know, when you, when you step back and, and, you know, in whenever your season ends, you're looking at the tape from the whole year, how are you going to see guys grow and and develop? And and then what decisions do you make to say, Hey, you know, this is, this is where we got to go because obviously this remade front office, you know, there's been a lot of injuries in the players they brought in, but also I think a lot of maybe, um, not living up to expectations or, or maybe it's taken a little bit longer. So how does this personnel department then, you know, take those evaluations and then decide where do we need to fix this roster? Absolutely. And I think one thing with Cole, what would help his development is Jamin playing more in the middle and taking over that role because then it allows him to go outside where they feel he's more comfortable. So, and I think that could help him, but I think they, I think, like I said, if you get those two playing consistent down the stretch, you'll be a better defense. And, you know, then you're going to have to fill in a couple parts here and there, but, at least you don't have major holes. And if you wanted to get a guy in the first round, another corner or whatever, you can go do that and know you're adding to it and not trying to rebuild again. All 
offensively, you, you know, you put out some stuff on Taylor Heineke, those passing charts, the heat charts that just show with the completions and all that. And I like that stuff, you know, but the bottom line is, and, you know, first of all, going forward, how would, how do you see him in this, in this organization, his role? Yeah. To, to me, I think big picture, you're learning that maybe he's a, a very good backup, um, but maybe not quite the caliber or the consistency of an NFL starter. And I think it's important to, to point out that that while they have had trouble in the red zone or, or you know in that 35 and in territory over the last you know three games, they have moved the ball. So whether that's play calling or personnel or execution in terms of not be, you know it's a combination of all those things probably, um, particularly because of the injuries they've sustained. But to me, Taylor Heineke, solid backup, uh, has has shown that um, if he can continue to to grow and kind of and obviously that's an open question, but. Um, some of those passing charts and, and, you know, his struggles to complete the deep ball. I mean, I think those are, you know, I don't want to get lost in the minutia um, with him. Right. Um, but it's a missing element of the offense. But it is, it is a missing element because, you know, a lot of those incompletions um, are off target. It's not, you know, he, so he's five for 21 on throws over 20 air yards in the last four games um, since that Atlanta Falcons comeback. And a lot of those incompletions, it's not like he's putting it on the guy and, Terry's dropping it or, or there's a, a really nice pass breakup, you know, more than half of those incompletions have just been off target throws. So that's a missing element of this offense that I'm not sure, you know, he can necessarily, because the arm strength has been a question. It's, it's not the strength. It's, it's the accuracy. I'm not sure if, if the development maybe can be there, but at the same time, I do think he is smart. Uh, I, I think that he is competitive. I think he's confident. So I think you could do worse in, in backup quarterbacks as I think you see around the league, Absolutely, but but I think that's kind of where I'm I'm at with him now. What about you? Yeah, I mean I'm at the same point. I'm not, but I'll be honest. I mean that's just, this is how I saw him last year, at, at the end of the year. Like you know, and I know. I mean I've always felt like this is what, he, and I've always said there's nothing wrong with finding a really good backup. You needed that, right? So, but you also knew that they needed a guy for the future to build around, and and that you know. But I like him. I like his story. I think he adds something when he comes in. Um, and even on those deep balls, I mean, sometimes it's sometimes it's a decision. Guy's not open. You know, Terry, you know, the the corners got to step on him and then there's either look off there because you got this open over here. And so, like, but that's only that's a couple throws. So, you know, um, I, I know they like the, his willingness to throw long, but but overall, I think. You know, there's sometimes um, that accuracy can be an issue, even the red zone against Denver. There were a few plays where like. You make this throw on the right shoulder. You make this throw here to Terry McLaurin on the little slip screen, and it's a big game. And, you know, but I also wish they would use his legs more in the red zone on some design runs for him. Even if it's five or six yards, it opens things up a little bit more. Uh, but, I, again, that's getting down in minutia. I do agree with you. I think if they have found their, their backup in him, and I think they have, that is a good thing because now you can kind of cross it off the list because it's an important thing to have. Would you give Kyle Allen a shot in the second half, or are you okay rolling with Taylor? Well, and by, by the way, I'm assuming on this one, I don't know if or when Fitzpatrick will ever return. Yeah, that is, that's an important caveat because, and even if he does, you know, it, let's say he's healthy or ready by week three. I mean, at that point, do you, do you go back to him? That's a whole separate discussion. But right. if Taylor Heineke continues to kind of have this uneven performance, you know, inability to punch it in where it matters, then I, I do think you give Kyle Allen a shot at some point in the distant future, but uh, you know, maybe toward the end of the year. But to me, you know, Taylor with his legs, you know, with, with you know, kind of the, the intangibles that he has, 
it seems to me like just in watching the Kyle Allen's four games last year, that he has a higher ceiling. So, you know, why not roll uh, with Taylor Heineke and see if he can figure it out? Because it does seem at times like he might be in his own head and, and oh, yeah. that, and, and that to me is, is, you know, kind of a Bob product, I think of this coaching staff because yeah. Ron, you know, made such a strong emphasis. Don't get hurt slide. Don't, you know, don't put your body at risk. Don't, you know, make those turnovers that you made in Buffalo. So if he can, if he can figure that out and, and he's talked about even at the podium, trying to walk that fine line between embracing what makes him special, but also running the offense and being the game manager and, and being conservative and doing the things that they want him to do. So if he can figure out how to navigate that balance, that to me, um, you know, just accentuates that strength of now having a solid backup quarterback. Yeah. Um, but I think you've got to give him time to work those things out because we're still talking he's you know, still like a, nine, nine games starting. Yeah. I mean, he's still an inexperienced guy. Yeah. So if he can show that growth, I think that is the, you know, at the quarterback position, if you don't have fits back, that's the main thing. And if, and if you get to a point where you don't feel like you're seeing that, then maybe say, okay, Kyle Allen, you know, we, we've seen plenty of you before, but let's, let's see if you've grown yourself. And in fairness to Heineke, you're not talking about, you know, the greatest show on turf receivers out here, right? You're not yeah. talking about Dallas's talent around him. And you, you need, like, any quarterback here, you want to see De'Ami Brown get out there and then be consistent. And he looked every bit the rookie when he was in. You want to see Curtis Samuel out there. What can this offense become with a healthy Samuel with all this around him? Logan Thomas back out there, a healthy Antonio Gibson. So there's a lot of things this offense hasn't had that would hurt any quarterback. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I know what I think on, on Heineke, but in fairness to him, I mean, you need to have those things. And he's not a guy who's going to put you on his back and carry you, which is why I've kind of pushed a little bit harder for that run game. I think they could, it could have been more helpful to them at times. And again, I always say, I don't want to sound like Chris Russell. I'm not Chris Russell saying you have to run the ball every snap, you know, run, run pass. That's Chris, but um, hi, Chris. Um, but, but the, but I do think that this could create an identity for them, but that aside, um, I think that's the other thing for me to watch in the second half is does Samuel actually play. Can he stay on the field and what difference does he make in the offense? Does Deami Brown develop? Because, First couple of weeks of camp, Sam, I thought he was going to be really good. And after we hit a couple of weeks in camp, I thought he's going to be a rookie. He's going to be every bit of a third round rookie receiver, which meant up and down. But he's, you know, I know the knee has hurt him. But so I don't know. What are you looking for? Some of these guys on offense, what are you looking for? Yeah, I think um, there are certainly certain positions uh, that, that stand out. Obviously, those two guys you mentioned uh, on the offensive line. Um, particularly, you know, Tyler Larson, the backup center, he's going to be starting for the rest of the way. How's he look? Uh, if Keith Ismail gets more run, I think, you know, but the, all of those are, are kind of the, the minor pieces to me, if you can get the offense healthy enough to me, I'm, I'm almost as curious, if not more curious to see what Scott Turner does, because I think right, all, of right. the injuries, all of the things that we've been talking about have really limited our sense of what Scott Turner feels like, you know, maybe he can do, especially with the quarterback play he's had for the first two years. So it's been hard to, I think, gauge where he's at. Obviously we we've talked about that, the, the fourth and three uh, sprint rollout, um, you know, to pass Ricky Seals Jones um, last week in terms of sort of a a questionable call, but if he has, you know, a, a solid receiving core, if he has Logan Thomas, if he has an offensive line that's holding up and, and the depth there, it seems like they have gotten it right though they obviously struggled against the Broncos. How, how does Scott Turner grow and develop? How does that, you know, partnership right. uh, work 
with, uh, with Taylor Heineke. Um, so it's, it's, I think that is the thing that I'll, I'll be looking forward to most in, in the second half. And I think that's a good point. Cause I, you know, and I know like there are sometimes with Scott, you think, okay, that's a good game. Sometimes like I didn't like that, but I think in general, big picture, you know, I think I want to see the quarterback play has not been very good the last couple of years compared to the rest of the league. But I also don't want to let a guy off the hook and just say it's just because of that. But I am curious to see how that develops as well. And then last thing is, you know, what what would qualify for you as success in the second half? And I say that knowing and we really haven't talked about the impact of Montez Sweat, but I think we both know there's an impact when he's not out there because the other backups just aren't as good as him. And, you know, so there will be an impact. But what for you would qualify success in the second half of this season? I think that before the season. I, obviously we all had higher expectations, but I would say uh, going 500 with, you know, good progress in the areas you want to see. They play nine uh, games. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so I, I, would I know what you're saying though. Four and five yeah, right. in that, with that ballpark. Five and four, five and four and five. Four, exactly. Yeah, um, I got four you. or five wins. <laughs> right. No, that's a, a good reminder. Um, so I would say four or five wins and you need those wins to be there, obviously to, to show that progress. I think sometimes people get caught up in, in the number of wins because, you know, because you want to see that, that material number, even though, Hey, you know, like, let's say last year, they, they didn't go seven to nine. They, they won five games, but they, they saw the development in that defense. I think that would have been okay. But now I think you do need to show those wins Correct. because it's, it's been lacking. Correct. Um, but obviously you want to see those wins come because of the defense improving because, you know, the offensive line, you know, the depth holding up guys um, come back healthy. Finally guys come right. Exactly. Or stay so, on the field. What I'm saying is you want, you don't want empty wins. You don't right. want, you want the wins that reflect the growth of this team, the way Great. that they're going to win in the future. And I um, think along those lines, not to cut you off, but along those lines that what you're pretty much saying is consistent play, even in those losses. And that's what we haven't seen either. Against yes, better teams. Exactly. Right. You can't have one of those Buffalo games. You can't have a Kansas city second half. You can't, you know, you can't, Get, you know, I think the way Ron would put it is, is, is you know, you can't let things snowball on you anymore. Right. If you're going to lose, you got to lose by a touchdown or, or they just got to beat you. You got to force teams to beat you and, Be and not to sound like a, right. Not sound like a football coach, but I mean, th those I think are the things that are important in this second half, um, at least in my view. Well, especially and also along those lines, like in Green Bay, we would have looked differently at that game overall if they have one or two conversions in the red zone. And let's say now, if it's a tight game, does Aaron Rodgers probably go down and score again? Well, you can, we can all, you know, I know we've all seen Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. I'll take a wild leap of faith and say they probably do, but you make them work harder for it. And I think that's what, and I think people would have been okay with that loss, knowing the situation had they converted one twice. It's like 24, 21 It's like, Hey, they showed progress, but you know, and so like they actually did, but you didn't because you only scored 10 points. But uh, you know what I mean? So I think though that's an example of a game where it's like you could have shown that, but you didn't enough. Right. I mean, they were they were down 17-10 with the ball to start the second half, and Antonio Gibson fumbled at their own 28-yard line. Right. So, I mean, sort of a theme, I think, of this conversation is that game, even though it's 24 to 10, they look a lot more competitive. They make a couple mistakes that obviously look bad, but they lose the benefit of the doubt. So that when you Correct. see 24 to 10, you say, oh, you know, that's, that's them, you know, being Washington again. But um, even though there was growth, and then obviously you take a step back in Denver, uh, but yeah, consistency, 
competitiveness. Those are the things I think that, that show growth along with wins. Cause those are key obviously now um, in the second half. Sam, thank you very much. You're a good young talent and I enjoy having you on. So I appreciate the insight. Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Dad joke. Go ahead. Forgot. I, <laughs> so, people are, this is why people have been listening. There's like, I don't care what he says about this. Let's get to the dad joke. Right. So I, I thought you would appreciate this. Uh, it's the bye week It's the bye weekend. Uh, my parents are in town. And so uh, they drive down from Maine where they live. And so they got here at about 2 a.m. last night. And so I go down, I, you know, I'm, I'm letting them in and I open the, the trunk of uh, my mom's van and there's a, a cooler there. And since, since I was a little kid, I have no idea why every time my dad would pick up a cooler, he would say, Kula clink the Kula. And I don't know what that's from. I, don't, I have no idea where it's from and I've never asked, but it's just, it's, it's in my inner monarch. So when I opened the car and I saw the cooler, it just went in my head. And so I, I thought, you know, I, I that's a W like, for your dad. Right. And I said, am I going to say it or are you? And he laughed and, you know, he, my work here is done. So I thought it, that you would appreciate that. I, I do because there are a lot of times where my kids will come down and my, so my son, my middle son would, before he was, he was lifting weights and he'd come down and he'd throw a shirt in the dryer. We have no shirt on. And I always say, I thought you'd been, I thought you said you were lifting. I thought you said you were lifting. I thought you were working out. And, you know, it's, it was like every day what he did. Now, the problem is I can't say it now because it does look like he has been working out. But every day you do it. And then sometimes you just come down, you just look at them and they'll say, like, don't say it. Don't say it. I'm like, I don't have to now because you already know I might. You are, it's, already, it's already been said in your head. I'm done. My work is done. So in the banana joke, they got tired of. But, you know, I can't help that. So the banana phone joke. Right. But it's uh, as long as you're, you're the voice in their head, I mean. That's all that matters. When I, used to, when I used to coach basketball, I knew I had my team when they would repeat what I said, I'm like, I'm done. I don't have to coach. Like they are now coaching themselves. It's the same way with, with kids and dad jokes. Once you start, even my, my youngest son will do that. He'll come down, he'll take his shirt off, throw in there and say, you can't go to school like that. And, like, <laughs> and it drives them nuts. And every time. And so what happens now is I actually, cause he's like, it drives him nuts. So I bite my tongue to, and I, he does it. I'm like a couple weeks ago, I did it again. He's like, he just glares at me. I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't help it. But half the time I'll just start, I'll just start laughing. And he knows like, don't, don't you say it. So I don't have to, because you know what I'm going to say. And it already drives you nuts. And my mission has been accomplished. So there you go. I can't see you're going to, you're going to be an ultimate dad joke guy. And you know that. And I'll tell my kids that all the time too. I'm like, this is you really soon. You know, sooner than you think, it's going to be you. So embrace your heritage now. So if, if you if you don't think I'm going to be saying Kula Clink the Kula to my kids and not know have any idea what I'm talking about, then then uh, you got it's fantastic. Right. Yeah, I've I've got a, we could, I could do a whole show on dad jokes and bad dad, you know, annoying your kids and all that. How to know your kids in five minutes? So actually, it didn't take that long. So all right, Sam, very good. That's awesome. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me, Con. That's it for this week. I'll be back with another episode Wednesday. Talk to you next time.